have me to share with you. The Lord is here to, li- to deliver the people of God today. God wants to deliver some people in his house today. He wants, to, he wants you to know that he, that he is your deliverer. And he's come to deliver you from whatever bondage that you may have in your life today. Not tomorrow, but he wants to deliver you today. I believe that if you open your hearts up and you open your minds up to God, I believe that he will deliver you and set you free from whatever it is that bound you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Today I want to talk about solutions to being free from past bondage. That's what I'm talking about today. Amen. Jesus came, that's what he said, he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set those who were oppressed free. And that's what he came to do. Amen. When I was thinking of this a sermon and a preparing that came across this story and it kind of spoke a lot to me, so I wanted to share with you. A little boy was visiting his grandparents, was given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. As he came back to grandma's backyard, he spied her pet duck. On an impulse, he took aim and let fly. The stone hit, and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hid the duck in the woodpile, only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, grandmother said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. (laughs) Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandpa said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help. I mean, Grandma said, I'm sorry, I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to help it again. She whispered to him, remember the duck? Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he couldn't stand it. He confessed to Grandma that he killed the duck. I know, Johnny, said Grandma, giving him a big hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. (laughs) Because I love you, I forgave you. I wonder how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. I believe that a lot of the people of God understand very well Johnny's position. Because I believe that a lot of the people of God cannot be free to become all that God wants them to be because they're held still in bondage. That's why it's like cranking, like the old Model T's used to be. You crank the crank. And it's so hard for you to get to worship Jesus. It's so hard for you to magnify and exalt his name and say how wonderful he is because something is holding you down. Someone is holding you back. Well, the good news is that Jesus, when he came and when he went to the cross for me and you and when he was raised by the power of God, he delivered you from the bondage in which You were under. He delivered you. But now it is up to you to reach out to him and receive what he's done for you so that you can walk in the freedom in which he declared for you. Amen. Amen. See, I'm sick and tired of going to church where 
the people of God are supposed to be the happiest people, are supposed to be the blessed people, are supposed to be the people who are walking in the power of God, and we see absolutely no power of God demonstrated in the church. You see, we, we talk about all of the stories that are in Africa and Asia about the people of God being delivered from sickness, delivered from disease. But when it comes to the church in America, we don't see anything but a bunch of people going and listening to a great orator as he speaks the word of God. But I believe that Jesus is the same in Africa, Jesus is the same in Asia, Jesus is the same in America, and he wants to set the captive free. Amen. (laughs) Let's turn in our Bibles today. I hope you brought it with you today. Never come to church without your Bible, because you don't know what people can tell you. You always want to check out what people are telling you in the Bible. Amen. So you should bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible today, please look on with somebody today. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to read in Luke, in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 18. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Father, we thank you for your word. We know, Lord, that your word is above everything. God, we set your word to the high standard now. God, we open our spirits that you may speak to us this day. Oh, God, we don't want to be like the man in James who hears what the word of God says and do absolutely nothing with it. God, we want to be a people who respond to your word. So, Father, we believe, Lord, that as we come today and grab a hold of your word, oh, God, we believe that we shall be free today in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So you see, Jesus comes on the scene, and you can imagine this and give you a picture. All the people were used to gathering in the house of God or in in the synagogues at this time. And they would get up to read the scripture. And Jesus got up and he read this passage of scripture. And this passage of scripture was one in which Isaiah, the prophet, spoke of in Isaiah 61 about the coming deliverance in which the Israelites would have. Some people believe that this is a deliverance in which the Israelites were to get from the captivity and when they went into Babylon. I think a little bit different because Even when they were freed from captivity in Babylon, they still were in oppression. And they still were bound by sin. But Jesus and Isaiah were prophesying of a day when they would no longer be bound by sin. And they would no longer be bound by oppression and tyranny of sin and Satan. But they would, through the coming Messiah, be released from sin and his bondage over their lives. And that's why Jesus, if you read on, says the scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing today because he was that deliverer. He was the one who was to come and deliver them from Satan, sin, and death. You know, Jesus is still delivering people today. (laughs) He's still delivering us from sin and bondage today. Amen. Otherwise, he would not have said it. He said, I come to release them from oppression. I would say that if you are here today and you know a friend or someone or you yourself probably have heard someone or even been through a situation where you have said, man, 
I've tried and I've tried to get over that particular sin. But that thing just keeps coming back to me over and over again. May it be the sin of lust, whatever, lying, it just keeps coming back over and over again. Well, God has, God takes no pleasure in you continually walking in habitual sin. He has, he takes no pleasure in that. He wants you to understand that you have been delivered from that so that you don't have to walk in that way. Amen. Amen. He wants you to be delivered. Yes. Some people will, will, will do everything in their power to mask themselves up. And they will show up in church and we have suits on and we have ties on and we look, make ourselves pretty from the in, outside, but inward we are rotting and we're wasting away. Yeah. And some, some don't even realize, don't even realize that God through Jesus Christ had already delivered them from sin and delivered them from bondage. God has already done that. And he is a, he's expecting his people to walk in that freedom in which he's already done for them. He's not expecting that to come someday when we get to heaven. He's expecting us, by the power of the spirit that is in us, to walk free of sin and the bondage in our lives. That's what his spe- expectation is. Yeah. But some of us have settled for this saying. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, I want to tell you today, get rid of that saying. Because all that saying does is put you in bondage. It just gives you the liberty to go, on, go head on and sin. And God doesn't want you to do that. Amen. You know, the Bible says this, and we'll turn there in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 34. The Jesus uh, talking to some Jews who, uh, as they started out, wanting to trick Jesus and try to get him to contradict himself in the word. And Jesus came to them and spoke this to them. He says to the Jews who had believed him because he was so uh, sharing with them about who he is and how he has come from above and they are below and how he is come to save them and deliver them and so forth. He says, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, wow, very important, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus says to the Jews and to us today, he says that when we hold to his teaching, when we walk in his teaching, so when we come to the cross and we are saved and delivered from the power of Satan's sin and death, God expects us to walk with him. So we through the cross have been justified, but now God wants to sanctify us. And as he sanctifies us, then we are the people who understand and walk in that freedom and liberty for him. Not with him, at least. He says that when you know, he says when you hold to my tr- teachings, when you walk in accordance to what the Bible says, then you will know the truth. Jesus, he says that I am the truth, right? So when he was talking to this group of people, he was not talking about know me intellectually. He was not talking about that. He was not talking also about some philosophical reason of knowing him. He wasn't talking about that. What he was talking about is when you you experiment me, when you experimentally know me, then you know the truth. 
and you will be made free. So a lot of people are showing up in church, and you know what? They're getting to know Jesus intellectually or as some philosophical pursuit for them, and they sit still dead in their sins instead of being free. Jesus was right there. He was God in front of them, and he was speaking about who he is. I'm God. And they still could not grasp that. And he says to them that because many of these religious leaders, their sin was a sin of unbelief. So he says that because you continue in unbelief, you are becoming a slave to sin. So one who continues lying or one who continues cheating or one who continue in sexual activity outside of marriage, he is one who is a slave to sin. And he doesn't know the truth. He doesn't know Jesus. He was here. He is here today. And he gives you an invitation. That's what the prophecies say. He gives you an invitation to know him. Not to know about him, but to know him. So that you can walk in freedom and in liberty. From his sin. Amen. Being a young man who understands the concept of slave, especially coming from, coming from the South, you understand the issue of slavery. And I took that mentality into my life probably here up until probably the last three or four years where I saw myself as I was raised to believe and raised to, to think even though I had come to the cross I still had in my mind that I was still second class for some reason. Some of you, although you may not have been born or raised in the South, but you may have come from somewhere and you've been told that you were second class. Or some of you may be sitting in this place today Somebody spoke something maybe over your life and you felt that is not me, but they spoke it so much that you became that. When we hear God's teaching, it tells us who we really are. And when we hear it enough, we begin to live it out. That's why he says, hold to my teachings. And then you will be free. He did not say, hold to the teaching of Pastor Caesar. He says, hold to the teachings of Christ. And then you will be free. Amen. God delivered me from the mentality of thinking that I'm second class. And if he's come to help me to understand that that may how it that, that probably how it used to be. It was like that back there. But it's not like that today. And I want to tell you, if you have been entangled with fear for the most of your life, I can tell you for sure that Jesus, he came to set you free so that you don't have to walk in fear any longer. Amen. I can tell you today, if you are here today and you are one who 
wow, I want to stay away from that girl. I want to stay away from that guy. But I can't. It feels so good. I can tell you for sure today that Jesus, he set you free. And I believe if you trust him, if you depend on his spirit of, that lives in you, you will be free. I can guarantee you. Amen. Amen. Yes. I needed to be free. And I needed to have a change in my thinking. Yeah. That's what sanctification does. It changes our thinking. God uses his word to change our thinking so that we can walk the way he wants us to walk. Yeah. You have heard in the scripture where it says, as a man thinks, so will he be. Yeah. As I was thinking that I was a slave, so was I being a slave. If I think that I'm a liar, I will continue to lie. If I think about worrying all the time, I will become someone who worries all the time. And I will never walk in the fullness in which God has for me. Because I'm still bound to my past. Yeah. And God wants to deliver us from that. I would suggest two things that we need to hold on to in order for God to see that fulfillment of his deliverance in our lives. Two things. The first thing I would say, remember your position in Christ. And then the second thing, Depend on God's provision. Let's look a little bit closer at what I'm talking about. In Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter, I mean Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 6, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If you got your Bible, three things that I want you to underscore right there. First thing you underscore, in verse 5 it said we made alive in him. The second thing, verse 6, it says we were raised up in him. And the third thing, in verse 6 also it says we were seated with him. God, we were made alive, we were raised up, and we are seated with him. He's talking about position now, our position and standing now. If you'll read in verses 1, 2, 3, you'll see how we were, how we were before we came to Christ. Uh, And then he tells us, because of God's great mercy towards us, grace. God's grace towards us, we were made alive in Jesus. Amen. Amen. I know all of you have been to a funeral before. And I, myself personally, when gone to a funeral, I have never seen a dead man or a dead woman sin. I've never seen that. Right? My mama, my mama used to tell me, she says, about many of the kids in the neighborhood say, boy, those kids are never going to stop sinning until they die. <laughs> and I was like, so true. <laughs> They're never going to stop until they die. <laughs> Right? But you know that the Bible tells us that that's that's exactly what happened to us when Jesus took the cross and when he was buried and resurrected. The Bible tells us that we died with him. That's what the Bible says. If you will read in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 
And I will go from till I stop. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The Bible says that for those who believed and placed their trust in Christ and his work on the cross, the Bible says that we died with him. Okay? So if we die with him, then that old person that we used to be, he's no longer exists because he's dead. Right? They get rid of the social security number of the person when they are deceased. He no longer lives. He's dead. Why is it so hard for the Christian community to understand that? Is that if we are in Christ, then our old is gone. The old man died. So why? That the new man may rise. Yeah. That's what he said. That's why I was telling you earlier. Don't call yourself a sinner. Paul is answering the question so that many thought that Paul said in verse, I believe in verse chapter 5 and verse 20 or something like that, he says that sin abounds so grace would abound even more. Paul knew that because of the Spirit of God, he knew that some might try to take advantage of that and say, well, I can sin because God's grace is going to be there. Therefore, he says in verse 1, in chapter 6, he says, should I continue on sinning then since I've come to Christ? And then he emphatically says, no. Why? Because you died. That old sinful nature in which you had burning inside of you, controlling you, dominating you, that old sinful nature, he says, that thing will put to death on the cross. He was put to death. That's why I say, no, I am a saint saved by grace. I'm not a sinner any longer because I'm a new man in Christ. Amen. No, so I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. Yes. Believe me. You remember what I said? If you call yourself a sinner, that's exactly the way you're going to live. But if you call yourself a saint, that's exactly the way you're going to live. So many people in the church that they are in bondage because they keep calling themselves sinners. And they just give themselves the liberty to continue on in sin. When God says, that, no, that guy who used to be you, he has been rendered powerless in your life. That's what he says. Keep reading verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5. He said, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Notice he used resurrection. He doesn't use resuscitation. Resuscitation carries the, the notion that I did not get rid of the, fully get rid of the old man. But resurrection means that I was dead and God through his supernatural power brought me back to life. Amen. Hallelujah. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. The body of sin might be done away with. Why? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. But because, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We've been freed from sin. So we don't have to live in it if we've been freed from it. It's just like the guy that goes to jail and he, get, he gets freed and he wants to stay in jail. Even though he's been freed, you would think he's crazy. So I wonder what some people think about some Christians today. They say they've been free, but yet and still on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they still look like their old self. Amen. It's easy to come to church on Sunday, have my Bible like this. See my Bible, brother? I brought it today. It's easy to put it on the shelf like this, but when you go home and put it on the shelf, wow, you got to get off the shelf. 
blow the dust off the next Sunday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We are no longer alive. That old man, been, he's dead. We have been made alive in Christ. Amen. Notice what else he says. We've been raised up. We've been raised up with him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Since then... You have been raised up with Christ. Underline this. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Have you ever heard some of those, uh, some, someone says, uh, we don't want to be too uh, heavenly minded, but no good earthly. God is saying here, that all of those things in which we know of, of in heaven, we are to practically live them out in our lives on earth. Yeah. So as we think about those things that are heavenly, we live them out in our earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we've been raised up with Christ, we think of things of love. And we live out love in our life here on earth. Uh, we think about peace. We think about joy. We think about all of these things and we live them out on here, here on earth. Too many of us think about, oh, when I get there, when I get there, it's going to be like that. Oh, I would like to tell you the good news today. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to help you to live like heaven here on earth now. Amen. Not to wait there. He's good. He wants us to live like this now. Why does he want us to live like heaven on earth now? Because if we didn't, we could not be witnesses for him in the world today of his power to be able to change lives. Amen. Yes. My question to you today, if you've been raised up, are you living like someone who has been raised? Are you still walking in that old, same sinful way? You've been raised up. So if you've been raised up, live as though you've been raised. Amen. And then he says, we are seated. We are seated with him. Seated with him. Notice in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 says, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. This is important. This is important. The Bible says that we have been raised up with Christ and we are positionally seated with him in the heavenly realms. Where is Christ? At his right hand. Right hand, right hand, symbolic of power and authority. That's what it means when we talk about the right hand, power and authority. Okay. We have, we have, when we understand that we have God's power in our lives, when we understand that he have, we have his authority in our lives, we are not going to give in to our flesh that willfully wants to sin. God has given us to the power through the source of his spirit that indwells us to live above our sin, the sin in this life. That's why I can tell you that God has given you the victory over one, Satan, two, sin, and three, death. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's good news, man. That God has given us victory over Satan, sin, and death. Hallelujah. And we ought to walk in that. Oh, I believe that if the church really could get its arms around that aspect of who they are in Christ and understand their position in Christ. 
Oh, I believe that we can be that glorious church in which God is going to come back for. Amen. Oh, to me, we've been talking about three things in the North Campus. The glorious church, meaning that it's a place to where we see God's love manifested. We see, we see a people who understand that they belong to their God and they belong to one another. We see a people that, that they really know their God. They don't just know about their God, but they know him in an intimate way. So because they know him in an intimate way, they're able to make him known to the world. That's a glorious church in which God is going to come back for. He's going to come back for some people who really know him. He's going to come back for some people who really love him. He's going to come back to some people who really know that they belong to their God. Hallelujah. Amen. We start being free from past bondage in our life by knowing our position. I told you the other one would be we rely on God's provision. Can we turn in our Bibles and I'll go through this quickly and we'll wrap it up. James, James chapter 4 verse 6. James chapter 4 verse 6. It says, But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. What God provision? Grace. Amen. Now let me define grace for you. Because some people have got that all messed up and that's why they're messed up. Grace. It's not something that we receive so that we can continue on sinning. Grace is power from God to be able to do what is right because he loves you. Amen. <laughs> I, heard my, I heard my pastor talk about how great Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to will you to do what God wants you to do. That's grace. Grace is not something that you can just, okay, I'll continue on sinning, but because of God's grace, he will forgive me. No, that's not grace. That's been a wrong definition of grace. God does not want us to continue to walk in sin. God wants us to walk in holiness, righteousness. Yeah. And grace is something that is given to us not because we got to do something for God to love us. No, if you are bad, God going to still love you. If you're good, he's still going to love you. He's going to love you because he is love. Amen. Grace is what we need, the power of God to be able to walk in the way of righteousness, to walk free from lust, to walk free from anger, rocks free from all of these things that bound us. Grace is what we need. Yeah. And I will say that there are two, two people, and then this example is a great example, I think, of grace working out in somebody's life. A Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker, obviously very good preachers of God's word and folk had church. Joseph Parker made a comment about Charles Spurgeon and, you know, Spurgeon used to help with a lot of uh, orphans as well, too. And he says that those orphans uh, at uh, Spurgeon's churches kind of, mm-mm. And, of course, 
Charles Spurgeon, he gets very upset about the comment. So he shoots right back at Joseph Parker about the comment he makes. And a lot of people know that this is going on. So many are guessing how Joseph Parker is going to respond back to uh, Spurgeon's comment. And so Parker, on the day he, uh, Charles Spurgeon was supposed to preach and was at his church, Parker goes to Spurgeon's church. And he goes and he walks in and he hands an attendant money in which his congregation had took in order to bless the ministry in which Spurgeon had going. And I thought, what a great way to respond. The natural thing would have been, he attacks me, I attack him. He attacks me, I attack him. When Joseph Parker responded in the right way, he, instead of responding in his flesh, he yielded to God's power in his life and did the right thing. Yeah, that's grace. Amen. That's grace in action. God is going to give you, I can guarantee you at the sound of my voice, tomorrow or either Wednesday, God is going to give you an opportunity to rely on his provision of grace in your life. I can guarantee you. Because somebody, because you have sat and heard this message today, somebody in the workplace or some friend in the church, they're going to come and they're going to give you a sidekick. Or even your best friend who sits beside you, the husband or the wife, going to give you one and kick you in the, for me for my wife because she's shorter than me in the shin. <laughs> and you're going to say, hey, kick me? Sneak a little kick back, right? Yeah, boy, we got a lot of saints up in this place here, man. I know that I want to kick back, right? That's my nature. I want to kick back. But God, he let us have those times like that. He let us have those times like that. Why? Not so that we can war against our brother or our sister or our, husband or our spouse. Not so that we can war against them. He is trying to help us to learn how to depend on his power. See, we all, we relegate God's power to just when I'm out there witnessing to somebody. I need God's power. Oh, but if you are parents, you need God's power when dealing with kids. Amen. If you are in the workplace and you got someone who is arrogant, you need God's power to work in your life. If you got situations where you may have afflictions in your body or Cancer or whatever it may be, you need God's power to work in your life. I tell you for sure, look what the scripture says. God says that he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Grace meaning the power to do what is right. Not what's wrong, what is right. Yeah. The question is, how do we get that grace? How do we get that? How do we see the grace? James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What did he say? Yeah. He says submit yourself. The problem is that when we think of naturally, when we think of the word submit or submission, we think of it in a negative sense. But Every time that we see the word submission within Scripture, it's in a positive sense. And it's for our good. Yeah. Submit yourself to God. Right? 
James here talking in this whole chapter about the aspect of pride in people's life. Pride keeps us from wanting to submit ourselves to God. Don't tell me what I should do. Don't tell me what I should do. I have a right. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. The Constitution tell me I have a right. And you are absolutely right. You are a citizen of the United States of America, and you have a constitutional right. You are right. And I agree with you 100% on that. However, if you want to be free from the bondage of sin, you must learn how to submit yourself to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Believe me. I can tell you for sure. If you don't submit to God, you will not be able to submit to a husband. If you don't submit to God, you will not be able to submit to a leader in the church. Clear. Amen. Amen. Oh, boy. Oh. Steve, what time I have? That, that's what Pastor Loud does. And everybody say, amen. But under their breath, they would say, Pastor, get done, please. Get done. Hmm? Yeah, get done. I figured that, wow, I'm not going to see you. Man, I will probably see you on revival service. But after revival service, it will be a long time in between. So I think, shoot, let me get all the time I can with you. Uh-huh. Pray Jesus. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's called grace. Amen. Uh, So he says, submit yourself there to God and resist the devil. He will flee from you. Yeah. So if we try to make things happen, it ain't going to happen. Every year, New Year come around, some people say, I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year. Or I'm going to join the health club. Two weeks after, come around and say, oh, I'm going to join the health club in August. August come around and say, oh, I think I'm going to wait to 2012 to join the health club. Right? It's because we try to do it on our own strength. We try to make changes on our own strength. If we could be able to do that, God has no reason to send Jesus Christ into this earth. Yeah, there's no reason. We cannot do it on our own. That's why we need to submit ourselves to God, who is able to do it for us, if we would allow him to. Yeah. So don't try to do it, because it's fruitless. It will not happen if you try. Just Learn how to submit yourself to God. Well, I noticed that in my submitting to God, there's a word in which we pray in the prayer group on us, uh, in our, my house on Saturday. Mary Kay always bring it up. She says, let's surrender ourselves to God. And as we surrender ourselves to God, he can do whatever he wants to do then. Submission starts with our surrender. When we surrender to God, we are on the first step of submitting to him. And then he says, if you read further down, he says, submit yourself and then draw near to God. That's what he says in verse 8, I believe. He says, submit yourself to God and then draw near to him. Yeah, that's what he says. If we want to receive God's grace in our life, submit to God and draw near to him. Yeah. Church, it's a good place 
It's a good place. I understand now where the pastor is encouraging us, all of us, to come to God and let the Spirit of God fill you up. I understand. It takes me and you coming to a place to surrender. When we surrender ourselves and you say, forget about what everybody else thinks. Forget about what my friend thing around me. I'm going to draw near to God. And how do we do that? How do we draw near to God? Our Pastor Brenda says, guys, when we come into God's house, let's worship Jesus. You draw near to God by praising him. Amen. Yeah. Almost every time that I start off my prayer, I always give God praise for him being my provider. I praise him for being my healer. I praise him for being my deliverer. See, what happens when you praise God? What happens when you praise God is that you take your eye off circumstance and you put your eyes on God then. Amen. See, your circumstances, before you begin to praise God, your circumstances, they loom so large. And you say, wow, I cannot handle this. Or I can't, it's too much for me to handle. But but I can guarantee you for sure, if you start to shift your eyes to God and then you begin to say, oh, he's awesome. He's wonderful. He's all loving. He's all powerful. Oh, you will begin to see your circumstances become like this and your God become like this. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, that's why, man, when they start beating on those drums, when they start beating on those drums, they start playing on those keyboards and start to singing like that. Oh, God, since you were in this place then, you know. That's why I say to you, the Lord is here today. The Lord is in this place today. And when the Lord comes into the place today, he come to set the captive free. He come to heal. He come to make us whole in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that's the Lord in his. He's in this place today. And he came to deliver you. He came to set you free from bondage. He came to set you free from the oppression that you may have in your life. From the sin that you so easily entangle with yourself with. Jesus, he is in this place today to set you free in his name. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Understand, if you want to be free from this past life, understand your position in Jesus. And understand that apart from God's grace and mercy, is no way that you're going to be freed. So you must rely on his spirit to free you, to deliver you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, I understand that you have lunch today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the microphone down then. I'm going to put it down because I believe that you need to have some lunch. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 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 Can we sing one song together? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you help me with the song that, uh, the song that, Jesus, the river of love. That song. The sweetness of his presence flows. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, Lord.
Of my 
services is not a usual uh, church service, but our God is an unusual God, and he is not going to be contained in any set format. So let's, let's take this time to seek him while he's here. I know we're all hungry physically, but we have a spiritual hunger as well. I encourage you to press in. We will still have lunch uh, in a few minutes. Just, just take this time while the presence of God is here to seek him.